My dad died. I miss my friends because of... I don't know how to tell my friends that. I want to help my friends. I don't know how. The pandemic has left me feeling very lonely. How can I best support students in my classroom? My uncle abused me. The morning meeting is meant to be a place to let you know that you are not alone. We can get through this together. So join us. Listen, learn, share your stories. This is the morning meeting. Good morning. I'm Mandy Zucker, host of the morning meeting. Today's guest is Amy Masters. She's a social worker in Pennsylvania who graciously agreed to share her story of an abortion as a young adult and the grief that she went through after that experience. I hope you enjoy the show. So Amy Masters, thank you so much for coming on the Morning Meeting Podcast. I'm very happy to have you. Happy to be here. Thank you. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about you? Who are you? And then we can kind of get into your story a bit. I'm a mom of two. I live in rural Pennsylvania through New Hampshire, Massachusetts. I've lived here since 2004. You're a social worker, right? I am. Yeah, I just got licensed as of last week. So thank you. Welcome to the club. So I graduated from Edinburgh University, Pennsylvania. Uh, this past May um, with my master's of social work. Before that, I went to Mansfield University, Pennsylvania. I have a bachelor of science in community health education, and it took 20 years to get back to school. So I did school when I was 18, did not do very well. And so 20 years later, you know, this is the first fall that I haven't gone to school in almost eight years. I've been a a full-time student for a very long time. And so it's weird not to be. I hope that you always think of yourself as a student. I always say we're all lifelong learners. So oh, absolutely. absolutely, but I don't have to buy books. So. Right, exactly. It's nice not to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> so I was really excited to have you on the show. And I, you know, I thank you in advance for being willing to share your story. I've been looking for someone. I've been looking for you my whole life. I have been looking for someone to share a story of abortion. And you were very willing and honest. I, I put something out there, I think on Facebook and mm-hmm. you responded. And I thought that was so incredibly, I don't know if brave is the right word, but um, I was so glad that I was able to find somebody because I know there's a whole bunch of people who have experienced an abortion and I can't find any of them that are willing to talk. So we could talk a little bit about that, why you think that is, but why don't we just go back a little bit? Tell us what was happening in your life? How old were you? What was going on with you? You got pregnant. I did. I was 22. Casually dating a guy. He was terrible. He was he was abusive and terrible. And looking back now, I probably was very depressed and just not willing to. Like, I guess I believed I deserved the relationship I was in. And I didn't. But you don't know that when you're 22. And I was homeless for a couple of months, which my parents have no, they still don't know that. And they won't listen to the podcast. I still won't know. Yeah. So I was homeless. And so he you know, just was a guy that I was with. Um, I had gotten sick, basic stuff like regular bronchitis. There's some, some basic colds that people get. And I was on antibiotics. Did not realize that antibiotics affect birth control. Um, we were exclusively dating, but casually. It's kind of a weird, but we weren't. We were serious, but not serious. But we weren't dating anybody else, so we just didn't use protection. And then I, I got pregnant, but because he was awful, I was like, what am I, I don't want this. Like this isn't this isn't the person I want to do this with. And so, with the blessing of my dad, um, we. I made the appointment to go to a clinic and, and not to be pregnant anymore. Take me back to that moment. Like, what was that like to, 
Was that a big decision to even tell your dad? I think that was one of the more terrifying things I think I've ever done. I moved in with my dad when I was 17. I moved out of my mother's house in with my father. My parents are divorced and they have been since I was about seven. My mom is a very conservative religious woman. When I moved to Pennsylvania to be with my husband, I had a one bedroom apartment. When we bought our house, we still weren't married yet. And I told her it was a two bedroom house and she could make her own decisions about where our sleeping arrangements, you know, we could, that's just, it made her feel better to have that ignorance of, you know, oh, you have your own room, you know, my relationship with her. We just don't talk about those things. Like I've never talked about it with my dad either. I remember him getting very angry with me when I told him I was on birth control. Like he didn't understand why never talked about it. So it was very scary to be like, so I'm in this situation. I don't really know what to do with it now. He was amazing. He was angry and kind of judgy, but he was willing to at least listen and not yell and do the things I think I was afraid that he was going to do. So ultimately he just gave me the phone book and said, fine find a place, let's make an appointment. And he was with me when we made the appointment and he gave me money to to pay for it. And what about other people in your life? Did you tell friends or were you working at the time? Were you in school? I was working. Um, I wasn't in college anymore. I had been asked to take time off to reassess my priorities. Um, So I was not in school. I was working at a grocery store. I I worked in the produce department and did their salad bar. So my schedule was like 5 a.m. to 1 p.m. every day. People at work knew that I was pregnant because I was sick all the time. I couldn't hide that. My very close friend, who I'm still close friends with today, I lived with, um, and I told her, and she brought me to her mom. Well, technically it's her aunt, but that doesn't really matter. Her, you know, her mom was kind of like, well, it's great that you, you know, you're thinking of having this kid, but that's a big responsibility. And I'm like, well, I screwed up. And she's like, well, that's no reason to bring a kid into the world. She's really harsh, said the right things in the wrong way. I would say, I think compassion goes a lot further than what she did. But my friend was just so understanding and caring. It was basically like, whatever decision you make is not the wrong one. I'm here for you and I'll help you whichever way that turns out. And I think that was the most important because I had support. My parents weren't going to be a support for me. They basically said, my dad especially was like, you could have this kid. I don't know what you expect me to do about it. And so I didn't live with him, but he was definitely made the impression that he was not going to be supportive if I decided to keep the child. Were Were you thinking maybe I'll keep the baby? Yes, because I don't think it occurred to me that I should not have it. It was brought up to be like, you handle your business. Yeah. The thing is, is abortion is handling your business. And it took me a long time to come to that realization. Okay. You know, you don't have to bring a kid into the world. And the, the guy that I was seeing also worked at a grocery store, but he didn't have a car and he, you know, was always on the cusp of getting fired. You know, it was just, so it was like, why, why would I want to do this to myself? I make eight bucks an hour, you know, like how I can barely afford to go back and forth to work every day, put gas in my car. How am I supposed to raise a child? And so all of these things really weighed into that decision. And the fact that my dad handed me the money really, really kind of solidified, like maybe this is the better choice to do it this way. And then what was it like after? Did you, so you had told a few people that you were pregnant, tell them that you were having an abortion? No, I told them I was having a miscarriage. I called in sick to work and said, I don't feel well. I think there's something wrong. We went to the doctor. So I set up the alibi and then had the procedure. And then I took a few days out of work um, just because it hurts. 
they don't tell you that, but it hurts. It's painful. It's not a simple, it's a simple procedure, but it's, it's a painful procedure. And so I took a couple of days out of work because you, you know, you bleed and it's like, it's like having a very, very heavy period. Or if you've ever had a miscarriage, it's, I mean, the aftermath is fairly similar to that as well. So I took a couple of days out of work and that was the story that we, we went with. And I asked him, I asked my boyfriend at the time, if he would just please respect that decision. Um, a couple of people I think suspected, um, but nobody ever said anything to me. So if they suspect that they still can't, I don't care, but they're, those aren't people that I associate with. So uh, their opinion didn't count at that time. And why did you tell them that it was a miscarriage? What was the feeling about, you know, being honest and saying I had an abortion? I didn't want to be judged. 22 and I worked with these people and I, I knew, you know, and Newburyport, Massachusetts is a very conservative city. And so I just knew that if I was honest, I'd be ostracized and bullied. And I just didn't want any, it was hard enough. Like it felt, it was hard enough to make the choice that I made. I, I didn't need somebody else's crap. They weren't going to help me. They weren't going to be there. They weren't going to offer to babysit. They weren't going to pay for formula. And I didn't need their judgment on top of what was already a very difficult decision. So I just decided, I'll just say this, I'll get, you know, maybe it's sympathy for a couple of days and they can tell me that they feel sad and then we'll just move on with our lives and it won't be an issue. But I knew that if I told them I was getting an abortion, it wouldn't go away. It would, oh, I would, I would have a stigma that I just wasn't prepared to have. I feel like in the aftermath of all of that, what was it like for you to then live a lie with all of these people that you were surrounded by, maybe not your good friends, but you know, what was it like for you to have this secret that, that nobody knew about? I mean, it did weigh heavily. Um, and ultimately I ended up leaving that job because there was enough whispers and rumors. I think that it wasn't really a miscarriage that it was, it was difficult. It was like, well, I heard, I'm like, well, I don't know who you're hearing stuff from, but you know, who cares? Like why, you know, why are we gossiping about this? It's really not, you know, so it got, it got a little mildly toxic. I would say like, it certainly could have been a lot worse, but it definitely was uncomfortable. And I ended up just getting a different job. My roommate helped me get an get a new job and just had a fresh start and just decided that nobody needed to know. So we just didn't say anything. Did you get any other support when this was all happening? No, no, there was no place else. I I mean, I suppose, see, now that I'm in the mental health profession and somebody was going through this, I would say, oh, well, we should find a counselor to at least help you work through your feelings because there's feelings through, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people think, and I don't know, because obviously there's not very many people you can talk to about this, that it was a cold decision that I was fine with it. I wasn't fine with it. Like, no, I look at it as like, there's no decision. That's a really good one. Babies are supposed to bring joy. I have two kids now. They bring me tons of joy and heartache and frustration and all the things, but having to choose to not have them, to not have this kid that I could have had, you know, you grieve, you have to grieve in a different kind of way. And I don't think anybody really talks about, it's a final decision and you can't take it back. So you can't say, oops, you know, there's no, you know, you buy a house, you have, you know, a right to, you know, rescind. You can say, oh no, no, I really decided I can't do that. You can't, even that's a huge decision, but with an abortion, you just can't, it's no going back. There was a lot of processing. Grieved very much alone. You know, when you're not telling people, even a miscarriage, people don't know how to talk about it. So it is often this very disenfranchised loss that no one really acknowledges. And I think as I got older, so I've, I have two children, I have been pregnant six times. So one, 
abortion and three miscarriages. So I kind of feel like I've run the gamut of all the things, you know, and so you're right, you have to grieve all of it. And it's really hard because I made this choice. And when you tell people that you're sad about it, they're like, what do you mean you made the choice? Like, What's to be sad about? So many things. <laughs> you know? So it, it was very lonely for a time. And I, I had one good friend that I could lean on. But even she at some points is like, okay, like, when is it time to get over this? Like you, you made a decision, it's time to move on. And, and so you just sort of kind of had to, and definitely not in a good way. Oftentimes we say that unsupported or unresolved grief leads to unhealthy coping strategies. I'm wondering. I, I mean, I, I made very good friends with my local bartender and a copious amounts of alcohol for a number of years. I don't know if I would go so far to say I was an alcoholic, but I definitely enjoyed alcohol more than I think many of my peers did at the time. Mm -hmm. So that we just self-medicated every night after work, after whatever, feel sad, have, you know, have something. And sometimes my roommate was into some heavier drugs. So occasionally, you know, you take morphine recreationally or pot or whatever. I never did anything. I didn't do any cocaine or heroin, though I had opportunity. Alcohol and morphine is, is a dangerous combination, but it does numb the pain. So that's, you know, what you do until you don't. And I don't know why I didn't any longer, but it just seemed to get old fast. After a couple of years, I was like, what am I doing? This is stupid. I guess it, maybe it grew up a little. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't want to ever feel like I'm dismissing somebody who needed rehab or, you know, AA. I didn't need those things. I, I don't know why probably could have benefited from them, but I didn't have them. And so I just sort of had to do it by myself. Um, yeah. Although maybe at the time with the drinking and you did have one good friend, which, you know, was probably an, a, a good protective factor, even though she might have modeled some unhealthy coping. Those things probably made you feel like you're not that lonely. I'm sure at the time it did. I mean, looking back now, I was, like, oh, I was so sad. <laughs> you know? But at the time, I think it was a, a life as a party, you know, and that's kind of how we framed it. Like, oh, you're not pregnant anymore. Let's go drink. You know, <laughs> like, and so we use a lot of dark humor and a lot of alcohol to get through a dark time. And now, interestingly, you're working with young people. What do you feel like, you know, how has this experience sort of shaped you? I know it's been a week since you've gotten your license, but how has it shaped, you know, your sort of professional outlook and perspective when you're working with young girls? I just try to be as honest as I can. I, I'm not going to get into my own personal story with them at every, it's not appropriate, but you know, to let them know that there are options, we could talk about those options if that's something that they wanted to. And I, I try really, really hard to ensure that they know that it's a judgment-free place always, whether it's through humor or whether it's whatever we do to make sure that the kids that I work with know that they can kind of say anything that they need to say and we will help them work through it. Mm -hmm. And it's not shocking. So, you know, I have a, a girl, I think she's 11 or 12, and she's like, well, I'm pansexual. I was like, cool. I'll, and so she's like, what's the pan flag look like? And I was like, you know what? I don't actually know. Let's, let's Google it. Let's figure it out. And she's like, you, you don't mind? I'm like, no, let's Google it. You know? And so we looked up definitions and I said, I'm going to learn something new today too, because the terms change a lot. And I, and I don't always know what's the most acceptable thing to say or to, to identify with. So let's look this stuff up. And that was kind of a session one day. It was just Googling thing. And I think 
that's so important that there's a safe place for them to just ask the questions, even if they're not, I don't want to say serious about them, but maybe they're not experiencing all the things yet. But they're, yeah. And I think that they should get an honest answer always. What do you wish? What do you wish could have been different for you? I guess I wish it didn't matter. And I think of this is for a lot of things. Like, why are my decisions so important to people who have no bearing upon my life at all? I get really angry when I hear people call women baby killers because they chose to have an abortion. I get really angry when they say like, you shouldn't be married if you're gay. Like, what what difference does it make? You know, whose life is ultimately being affected here? And it's it's not you, keyboard warrior, who's calling me names. You know, I get that really frustrates me and, and hypocrisy and, you know, the whole COVID, like, don't wear a mask, wear a mask, you know, my life, my choice. I'm like, okay, what about women, though? You don't agree that women have the right to make their own choices? So where does the line, where is that line? And I think that that's what I get so frustrated by, that people can be so quick to say, well, I don't get vaccinated because nobody can force me. And it's like, but your decision affects other people. My decision not to have a baby when I was 22 affected nobody but me. And potentially my boyfriend, but even then, like his life ultimately, and I think we see it all too often, the guy's life just gets to go on and on and he gets to do what he wants. And the women are the ones who are, you know, are saddled with crippling debt and poverty and are kind of left aside to be called nasty names and to be told that we don't deserve food stamps because we made poor decisions. We don't deserve to have government assistance because we made poor decisions, but then you didn't let me make the the other decision, which have prevented that in the first place. (laughs) He's a little passionate about it, but understandably so. No, I was just thinking about, it shouldn't be a big deal. And yet the decision to have an abortion is a big deal. And I think for you, it was a big deal to make, what should I do? I have this baby growing inside of me. What do I do? Mm -hmm. So that part was a really big decision. And I wonder like if there if there were resources out there for you at the time or if you know of any now or wish that there were some, you know, for young women to be able to sort of process the, those feelings. I think what makes it hard is because the women who need these resources are still kind of beholden to the education system. Mm-hmm. You know, you've mentioned you work with college kids. So if they don't, but if their college health services department has an agenda, they're not going to get all the right information. And certainly high school kids are not going to get the right information. And the best place to get it is Planned Parenthood, but they're constantly being threatened with defunding. And there's just, I think the closest one to me that is an, it's an hour away. So for any high school kid who needs resources, it's an hour's drive to get good information. There's other states where there's like one for the whole state. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, an hour away. Yes. So how are you supposed to get this good information or to really let kids, young women know that what the options are and to prepare them that just because you have doubts about your decision doesn't make it a wrong decision. Mm-hmm. It's you're human and you have to like, you know, if you ever thought that you want to be a mom, but it just happened at the wrong time, that that's what makes it really hard. Like, it's not your only chance. It's not the only thing. It's just, it's a, you just have to you kind of trust your gut in some ways, but it is, it is lonely and, but there should be more education and more resources and it should be part of sex ed. And I don't even know what sex ed is here. I remember in high school in eighth grade, we got ours and it was just all about, you know, that your body's changing and don't have sex. <laughs> you know? I feel like it hasn't evolved that much, depending on the state that you're in. It has, even in some of the more liberal states, I don't think it's evolved too much because there's no. just a lot of controversy about, you know, how much information we should be sharing with 
young people. I actually wonder, I don't know how old your kids are, but I wonder, have you told them? And Mm -hmm. how do you have conversations with your young kids about uh, sex and abortion? I'm very open with my kids. Um, They know all of the anatomically correct names for everything. Um, They... It was kind of hilarious. This was, I think this last summer, not this year, like last year, we were in the car. And I think the best discussions always happen in the car. Um, and I have a boy and a girl. And my daughter asked me, what are balls? And I was like, like, what kind? Like, I knew where she was going with it, but I needed her to say it. And she's, like, balls. <laughs> yeah. and she's like, you know what Connor has? And I was like, oh, geez, this is what we're doing today. So I, I told them what they were and how they work. and. Um, then, you know, how do babies get in bellies? And I told them, and my son was horrified because he put two and two together. And so he's like, oh my God, mom. <laughs> well, <laughs> so they know. Um, I did talk to them briefly that, you know, I'd been pregnant a lot. And, you know, they were my only two kids. And so they were kind of sad, I think, about the idea that they could have siblings. And I told them, I said, actually, guys, if they were born, you wouldn't have been. Like, I didn't want to have a lot of kids. <laughs> you know, I was one, one, maybe two. I said, so if if it weren't for them, you wouldn't be here. So, and that's kind of how I approached it with them. They didn't really go too far into abortion because they are still very young. I didn't know. I told them that, you know what, mommy got pregnant when she was young and didn't want that baby. And they were like, oh, that's weird. And then they moved on. So I didn't push it and they haven't asked since, but if they ask, they will get an honest answer. Those are tough conversations, but they're, they're lucky kids to have a parent that's willing to talk honestly about your own experience as well as what is available to them. Yeah. And I think that's a direct correlation to why, like my parents didn't do that. So, and it felt very much like stuff happens and you have no idea how to handle it. No one prepared you. Yes. So I felt like, well, no, I'm not going to parent that way. We're going to explain things and age appropriate and anatomy. I mean, my, when our dog died, I explained to them what decomposition was like, what's going to happen to his body when we bury him. So we've I've just tried very hard to keep it very science-based and open. I always say that death and sex are some of the most difficult conversations that parents have with children. And I think some of the most important conversations that we have with children, we set a tone with those two topics of trust and communication. So do we want our kids to know that they can talk to us about the most difficult things? Or do we want our kids to think that We are not willing to talk to them. So then they'll go find other people who may be giving them information that is either wrong or, you know, not what you wanted shared with them. Yes. And you know, they're going to get that information on the bus. Yes. So this way here, I'm, I can't control what they hear, but at least I can control in some aspect, like give them good information. They may not always believe me, but at the end of the day, it's real. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing all of this. Is there anything that you felt like, you know, you wish other people knew either how to be uh, supportive to someone who's going through a pregnancy, an abortion, a miscarriage. Um, you can't, I think you just have to sit with them and they're sad, you know, because nothing you can say is going to make better. You make this huge decision. If you're going to choose to not have a child, you're making this very big choice that I can only say is the right choice. Because if, if that's where you're at, I don't want, I don't care if you're married and you have 10 kids, if that 11th kid is going to push you over the edge and you shouldn't do it. Um, if you're, you know, 16 and you're like, oh, my boyfriend loves me. Well, maybe he does. 
but your life will be so much harder. So if you think that it's better to not have it, then that's okay. And it's okay to also not be sure. And so I think for the people that are supporting their friends and family in this, I think you have to let them not be okay so that they can be okay. Because it, it is such a, it's such a lonely time. Like I had three miscarriages with my marriage. So my husband and I had, we had three miscarriages before we had my son and he had no idea what to do. And he was upset and sad too, but you know, I was, I went through it. So I felt it and it hurts and he didn't know what to do. So it was just, again, it was just kind of like, I'll just sit and be lonely in this. And I think that's, we should talk about it more and we should have people that are willing. And I wish I was more willing, but at the same time, it's still a scary thing. And so some, someday, hopefully, you know, we can talk about pregnancy loss and, and add abortion to that too, because it's still a loss and it's still this idea that you have to grieve because it does change you as a person. You know, you, not many people can say they've made major life altering choices in their lives. And so it does change your life's perspective. And maybe people would be more compassionate, which is ultimately, I think what we all want for people. anyway. Yes. I mean, I was just saying, I hope that's why I wanted you to talk about it, because I do hope that we get to a place where we can talk about this more openly. And hearing other people share their stories is the way that we're going to get there. So I hope somebody else is listening to the story if you've gone through an abortion and you're feeling like there's no support out there or you're the only one, I hope that they know now that they're not the only one and, um, and that there are people out there that are willing to be supportive and helpful. And if they have questions or want to reach out to you, can they do that? Please. I would. Yes. Because they should have somebody that they can, that's been there. And I think the other thing is you don't owe anybody an explanation. My boyfriend was abusive. But that's not the only reason why I didn't want to have his baby. <laughs> he might have been the greatest guy in the world, but that might not have been the right time. Yeah. And so I think that we also don't owe people the explanation. I chose not to. I chose. This was my decision. And that is good enough mm-hmm. because you shouldn't have to pass the litmus test. You shouldn't have to be pathetic enough to have deserved your own body autonomy. And I think that is very frustrating when I see abortion stories that everybody has to come up with a sob story to say why they deserved to make this choice. And really ultimately it's because it's not right for your life. And so you chose that, that method and that is totally fine. How can they reach out to you? Uh, they can email me anytime and I'm goes right to my phone. So I have it all the time. So that's my name. So it's Amy E masters at outlook.com. Probably the best way to get me. And if they give their phone number, um, I may call. I, I can't guarantee I will because it is still touchy for me and tough, but um, if they feel like they really, really do need somebody to talk to, I, I will make a point to call. Um, so they can leave their phone number, but I don't want to give my phone number out because I don't really want to get inundated, <laughs> but email me anytime. Um, my, keep my social media fairly locked down is because I am a social worker and I don't want my local clients. to like keep looking me up either. So, but the email is always, the, is probably going to be your best bet. Thank you very much for coming on the show today. Absolutely. Any, anytime, honestly. Thank you to Amy for being on the show today and sharing your story with us. Next week on the show is Lane Peace Hendricks. She's the director of programs at Kate's Club in Atlanta, Georgia. She's got tons of professional experience, which we can talk about, as well as personal experience with grief, raising two grieving children who are now young adults. 
We're going to talk about the complicated issues that arise when someone dies that you've had a complicated relationship with. It's a really interesting conversation. I think a lot of people really struggle with grief when somebody dies that you didn't have the most perfect relationship with. So it's a conversation I hope you will all tune into with. Um, So it's a really interesting conversation. I think a lot of people really struggle with grief when somebody dies that you didn't have um, the most perfect relationship with. So it's a conversation I hope you will all tune into. That's all for today. Good morning to all of you.